podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. I'm your host Giri and I'm joined today by my co-host Ajit. So let me welcome him. Hello Ajit, how are you doing man? Hey Giri. I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing fine. Safe and sound inside, not going out. Mm-hmm. I guess that's the same for you as well, right? Because we have an evening curfew here, right? So when you mean you're not going to uh, break into any little or something uh no i oh. never planned to do that but uh, i see that you know we've had a few disturbing incidents in the last few days right so that's uh, yeah that's not something we expected to see right so people not taking it uh, taking the decision of a night curfew in the right spirit mm-hmm. right so people protesting and protests getting out of hand you know a lot of damage to public property that's not something we like to see in a country like netherlands so yeah unfortunate but yeah so we've been asked to stay indoors from 9 o'clock in the evening mm-hmm. until 4:30 in the morning so you can't venture out right so that's in addition to the the lockdown situation we have until the the 8th of february so apart from that yeah everything else is fine i guess um there's a lot more test cricket going on these days so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess you're uh, keeping yourself busy with that. Indeed. I mean, look, it's given us a lot more to enjoy, cherish while we stay indoors. I think it's it's a bit of frustration showing itself. But for those of us who follow test cricket, I'm sure we are all our emotions are uh, absorbed by the cricket that's ongoing. So we don't mm-hmm. have any spare emotions to go out there and vent it on something <laughs> or someone. Right? Lucky us. Right. Coming back to the cricket on the field, let's maybe first take a look at the second. Sri Lanka England test that concluded recently and in such a nice manner so this was a very very competitive test well batting first sri lanka started very stoically and uh, thanks to lahiru tirumanna and uh, angelo matthews they set up a solid base even though they lost a couple of wickets quickly and you know what 2 for 7 and then 3 for 76 when tirumanna was out but then chandimal and then matthews set it up after tirumanna had done his bit and then the lower order sort of kicked on so Matthews made 110 Chandimal 52 Niroshan Dikwala 92 and Dilruvan Parera chipped in with a very useful 67 that basically meant 381 was a very reasonable score put up on this pitch so it was the same gaula pitch where the second test was also played of course probably a different strip but on the same stadium in this case red wine that is mr james anderson who apparently ages beautifully took a 6 for 6 for 40 in the first innings he was well supported by mark wood who took 3 for 84 in this case it looks like in spite of their best effort sri lanka occupied 140 overs england could not restrict them to any lower total but then when it came their turn to bat they had a similar start of sort of a start 2 for 5 inside uh, the 10th over and then johnny bearstow and joe root saw off the day they took them to uh, you know 116 but again johnny bearstow gave up his wicket very early on the next morning 20 for 28 but joe root is in probably form of his life very highly likely because his 200 in the first innings was followed by a near 200 186 in the second 
and then Josh Butler made 55 supporting skipper and then Sam Curran 13 and Dombes 32 that made sure you know England came within 40 runs of Sri Lanka's score they made 344 for Sri Lanka Lasith Embuldenia who opened the bowling with his left arm spin took 7 for 137 again a marathon spell 42 overs for him and then um, the two other wickets were taken by Dilruvan Pereira and Ramesh Mendes the spinners so in a contrast so you know England took all their 10 wickets through base bowling but Sri Lanka took all 10 wickets through spin but then before you go to the second uh, set of innings kiri were you able to catch some of it i don't know if your thoughts about at how the test stood after the first two innings were complete um so it was basically i think batting oriented if you look at it uh, although you pointed out that james anderson took six wickets and you know mark wood the, the two pacers along with sam curran sharing the wickets um in sri lankan batting innings but it was good to see angelo matthews you know returning to form it this was long due in my opinion we had seen him uh, fail repetitively and we it's finally good to see him score a century um but yeah i mean you would you would always say that the 380 was probably a bit below par because this, the sri lankan top order you know if you look at it they they have they've had some starts but they didn't really cash in it's like tirumana for example or uh, even chandimal who got out after a 50 if he had continued with um, angelo matthews and if they had continued you know uh, scoring more runs i think sri lanka should have scored 500 on that pitch um, so it it was very likely but yeah well done to england i think they bowled really well uh, but it's it's really very nice and refreshing to see mark wood you know the frontline pacer out and out fast bowler picking up wickets there in subcontinent conditions so that's really very nice and especially james anderson right so this was always Uh, my sort of criticism towards him you know he is always good at uh, home conditions uh, but uh, yeah i think looking at the looking at the way he bowled he didn't consider a lot of runs right so economy of 1.38 that's incredible 13 maidens can you imagine but england batting i think jorut as you rightly said you know he's is really playing that well i think he probably needed the break that everybody had uh, during this uh, covid uh, situation we he's not playing a lot of cricket that's probably good for him he's able to you know regain that focus uh, on the mental aspect because he also needs to captain the team so and i think i mentioned this in one of our chats offline about how joe root was countering the spin attack of the sri lankans and uh, how johnny besto was batting alongside him in probably in the first test was doing it you know johnny besto was very much committed to the front foot he was always trying to you know push at the ball whereas joe root was also willing to you know go back uh, and play it a bit late i think that's that's why you see that he has been so effective and this sets up um you know the the indian series so nicely if joe root is in form uh, when he comes to india he uh, looks like he's in pretty good form to be honest uh, so it will it will be a tantalizing series um to see him bat and yeah we'll we'll see i mean we'll come to that in a bit but Sri Lanka should be you know kicking themselves for you know uh, get, getting a lead right so getting a lead and then not capitalizing on it they did not click in the second inning somehow they switched off uh, if you look at their scorecard right kushal pereira 14 tirumanna 13 and uh, the middle order collapsing oshada fernando angelo matthews chandimal and also dikwela all getting out to single figures uh, apart from res- some resistance you know towards the end by ambuldenia everybody else got out for a single digit score uh with uh, sri lanka ending up on uh, ending up with 126 runs in second innings 
that's you know that's incredible i mean you you can't have such a bad day in the office and this time it was not the fast bowlers who picked the wickets you know for uh, for england in fact it was the spinners so dom bess jack leach uh, and even joe root you know with his uh, uh, part time spin picked up a couple of wickets so bess and leach picked up four wickets each sri lanka were bowled out in home conditions for 126 runs i mean that's that's quite incredible to be honest i mean i don't know if you caught this live i i couldn't watch this live but it was probably over by the time i woke up <laughs> in the morning so and england was set a target of 164 runs they had some trouble initially i think they 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 lost the opener zack crawley for uh, 13 runs and then the sri lankan spin barrage was you know sort of troubling them but you have to say that uh, sibley you know played in old fashioned test innings he ground the attack um sri lankan bowling attack and then he made sure that one end was completely stable he held his ground um and uh, he allowed others like you know besto and uh, uh in the end josh butler to uh, bat around him and then finish the job so butler scored 46 runs while uh, sibley ended up with uh, 56 not out it's a well deserved victory i have to say for england who play, who were clearly the better side uh in the end and they took the series 2-0 um although you have to feel you know for embuldenia he, he picked up a lot of wickets in this test match i think he got 10 wickets in the match uh, and ended up on the losing side this doesn't always happen uh, in subcontinent conditions um so 2-0 in the series for england and then they get the full 120 points if i'm not wrong in the test championship so they're very well placed when they tour india when i talk of a few more statistical highlights from this game england took all 10 wickets in the second innings to spin in contrast with their first innings that was interesting to see of course joe root will be on hat trick when he comes on to bowl for the first time in india because the last two wickets he took were off consecutive balls so you know it was it was becoming a bit of a stubborn partnership because it it could very well have been that 8 for 78 sri lanka could have been all out for within 100 so those runs that lasith embuldenia was probably the man of the match as far as sri lanka's you know efforts were concerned he uh, hit that 40 and then back to back wickets two wickets into balls for joe root so maybe he's on hat trick again uh, well but coming coming to the england second innings right so it was indeed again a bit stop start zack crawley for the first time in the series looked like he seemed to be having a bit of a hang of how to play spin his failure will be one of the only concerns england take away from this tour really one opener who's working a reasonably functioning middle order right and then captain who's in probably very prime form of his life then followed by a pace bowling attack that's doing a very good job and a spin attack that's coming into his own in the subcontinent right so this 10 wickets that the spinners took is very crucial as far as england are concerned right and they'll also probably have a bit more varied spin attack in one of the upcoming episodes where we look at the preview for the india england test we'll probably get into it but i think they'll have virdi the upcoming off break bowler as well with them so there'll be more spinners available for them when they come to india they're giving themselves more choices so it's all going to be as you said rightly fantastic fantastic cricket so two tests in uh, newly uh, built stadium and then uh, two more in chennai but before we go there i mean a small a small word of mention to johnny bears who played i think very crucial knocks in both the chases fourth inning chases in the store his 29 i think was equally crucial he was scoring at more than run a ball he looked to counter attack he was both sweeping as well as reverse sweeping the spinners trying to put them off the off their lengths while Dom Sibley, as you said, took time, played the old school cricket. 
So in terms of a series review, I think when you look at it, Sri Lanka will be really, really disappointed. Mickey Arthur, their coach, sort of echoed it. You can't have brain fade. You can't have two collapses in two tests. I mean, as the age-old saying in cricket goes, you cannot win a test in a in R, but you can definitely lose it. I think Sri Lanka experienced it twice, unfortunately. As a result, they lost both the tests. There was no way to come back from what they did. Second test, they nearly salvaged the situation, but again, this England batting lineup had a lot of confidence. So the way Josh Butler played, for example, he held himself back, yet scoring nearly at run a ball. So you see the amount of firepower England packed because. There is no Stokes yet in this eleven, so you can imagine the kind of uh, advantage he would bring once he is back in the eleven, right? So, England would be really happy with their all-round show. And look, they had won the series previously three nil. Now they are winning it two nil, basically a whitewash in each case. So, fantastic achievement for Joe Root as a skipper. So, it's probably a highlight of his career, right? So, yeah. for me, as a skipper as well as a batter, he's come good. Fantastic, fantastic achievement there. So, I think they are coming to India on a real high. But they'll need to beat India with a three-test or a four-test margin. So they'll need to win three-nil or four-nil to actually pip India and meet New Zealand in the final. And unless mm. something really strange happens, where Australia also beats South Africa probably two-nil, then it'll be an Ashes World Test Championship final. But I mean, anyway, all of these are possibilities. So this was one very exciting Test series that we looked at. If we were to go to the other more exciting. Ongoing test, right? So it's an ongoing test between Pakistan and uh, South Africa. Very, very exciting, right? So it's just we are at the end of the second day, but some good news to share: uh, the Bethmar of Pakistan cricket, Fawad Alam, who's been for one reason or the other kept out of the national team for ten years plus, he scored his first hundred on Pakistani soil. It was very nice to see. It's it's that day on the day where we are recording. So, I mean, if you were to take a look at the test quickly. So South Africa really began positively, right? So they kept counter-attacking. They started positively. They knew they had come up with a plan, really. So the top three or four were executing it okay until well, Rasif Andrewson ran himself out badly, and then Dean Elgar was doing his bit, holding fort one end, keeping one end tight, giving enough time for the stroke makers on the other end to go on. So it looked all according to plan. Two for 108, it could have gone anywhere, right? But then the slide started. There were a couple of uh, Teens and tweens, all exciting stroke play, but not a lot of runs scored. And then some dour cricket, Temba Bhavuma, George Linda trying to hold fort. So really, they didn't do justice. From from two for 108, they were 220 all out, and that two it would have been even under a 200. Some plucky runs scored. Kagi Sorabada at the end of the innings put up some you know bold strokes, scored 21. Otherwise, it could have been even worse. So uh, I think South Africa will feel they let themselves down. Dean Elgar making 58, not carrying on. And then George Linda getting out to a soft soft stroke. All of this was a bit disappointing. Of course, Fafi Plessy himself. So basically, they let Pakistani spinners very early on into the game. So Yasir Shatri, Norman Ali, the debutant taking two. Um, well, Hassan Ali coming back to the squad, another fairy tale as far as Pakistan cricket is concerned. Right? Mm. He took one for 61, but I think more is expected from him. Shaheen Shafri taking two for 49, of course. So all in all, fantastic. Uh, team effort from Pakistan, both in the field as well as with the ball. 220 looked very good. But then before the end of the day's play, uh, so, you know, Pakistan were in for a scare because they probably didn't expect that they would finish 33 for four with their top three cleaned up as well as a night watchman lost. But then Azhar Ali hung in there, who was not out. And then Fawad Alam, they took Pakistan too close without any further damage. And then they played the entire first session out. And even almost an hour into the second session, they kept batting. They tired out 
South African bowlers and the menace, the venom that was visible in the you know the dying day, light of the first day was completely missing in the second day, right? So it was very tough to actually see where South Africa would start getting their wickets until sort of Azhar Ali was caught behind. He was trying to cut a ball that was way too close, I thought, because from 51, having consumed uh, 151 uh, balls, very much like another uh, famous number three from the subcontinent, uh, who's been recently in the news, it must be said, he could not be calm. He finished again 50, 51, but then Fawad Alam did not let the team down. So he had Mohamed Rizwan, uh, the Tyro for company who scored a very enterprising 33, took the score to 178. But, you know, from there, you still needed to kick on. And there, Fawad Alam was joined by Fahim Ashraf, Ashraf making 64, and then Fawad Alam going on to complete his 100, you know, dancing down the track, hitting a six to complete his 100. All great, great, you know, great theater this. So, um, Pakistan still have not closed their innings. They're 308 for eight. And while South Africa have shared wickets around, they look a bit clueless. Rabada is the only one that's posing a continuous threat. Lungi Engedi occasionally looks like he's threatening, but Pakistan seemed to have completely neutralized Heinrich Norkia. Just a few hours with the new ball, he's, he, he looks menacing. But after that, they seem to have neutralized him, even though his pace and his bounce remains a threat. Keshav Maharaj is steady, but then maybe as you can expect, what is normal in the first innings, he's not really you know that penetrative. Josh Linda is doing a reasonable job. He's holding one end up. But it must be said, from here, having nearly a 100-run lead, Pakistan will really push on, try to you know put the pressure back on South Africa. And we may very well see that South Africa may lose it. Yeah, that might well happen. I think South Africa had the game you know, within their grasp as soon as they won the toss, right? So they, uh, as soon as they decided to bat first, they had the upper hand. Only to let go, you know, I think they, they lost track. Uh, and uh, 220 is well below par. I think they should have at least scored 300 runs. And you can just see how Pakistan have come back now, even after having lost those three quick wickets, three top-order wickets uh, during the end of first day's play. So the first 70 overs, you have to say, belong to Pakistan. Uh, and probably the next 15, 20 overs belong to South Africa because they bowled really well with the new ball uh, at the end of first day's play. And then uh, afterwards, Pakistan basically seized control. I think they, they just grabbed uh, the bull by the horns with that crucial partnership between Azhar Ali and uh, Fawad Alam, right? So your favorite Pakistani cricketer who was, you know, who was left out of the squad for about 10 years now, much to your annoyance, I have to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but I think that was that was such a crucial partnership, nearly a 100-run partnership, right? So that basically set the tone. And, and I, I happened to watch a little bit of this uh, cricket match live. I think the partnership between Fawad Alam and Fahim Ashraf was extremely important. I saw that live. Fawad Alam was, you know, defending, defending, defending. But the moment he crossed 70 runs or something like that, he started attacking. They were very close to the second new ball. And they were they began to attack a bit more. And I was actually surprised that, you know, the second new ball was shared between Kahi Sorabada and Kesho Maharaj. Uh, so they didn't know. They were very hesitant to bring on uh, Andrik Nokia or... Uh, uh, or Lungi Engedi for that, for that matter. So Rabada was really good, you know, very incisive, of course. And then, you know, they're basically looking, they were looking very down uh, on the field. And if you saw Quinton de Kock, he, he was looking clueless. I mean, he always looks clueless, to be honest, but uh, this was even more apparent to me. And the body language was not good. And even if, even though Pakistan are, you know, eight down for 300 odd runs, uh, they can probably, you know, uh, steal another 20, 30 runs. And there will be 100 plus runs, you know, they will have 100 plus run lead in the first innings. 
and the spinners will come into play especially yasir shah um on a third or a fourth day pitch so um so i mean i hope south africa have some uh, some fight left in them so that they can come back you know really hard at pakistan or they have to really basically grind out the pakistani bowling attack who themselves are very good bowlers uh, like shahin shah uh, so we will see what happens on day 3 4 uh, that i think what happens on day 3 will be very crucial and we'll keep an eye on that indeed i mean in one of our upcoming episodes we will definitely also give a summary of how this test match has gone and maybe also the series if you were to take a look at some statistical you know highlights so i i can quote a couple of things on twitter mark putik on twitter uh, a friend of the show he tweeted that fawad alam six in this innings right the first one he hit and i think he got to 50 with the six as well right so that was the first of his mm-hmm. sixes and that was his first six in test in asia for 11 years and 7 months mm. also another stat i was looking at from uh, kaustup kaustats right basically fawad alam is playing his first test at home after about you know 11 years he's come back with 100 the rest were you know when you look at such an amount of difference in time it was sort of pre war to post war mm. and i'm talking of the second world war it's it's a real it's a real strange thing so i mean twitter and many other social media forums were ablaze with pakistani fans sort of having a go at inzamam and the other selectors in the interim board let him go and look in two series he scored 200 he sort of proven himself there is still a lot this guy can contribute and we hope as they say uh, no matter how much wax is left in the candle we hope it can burn strong yeah he's 35 now right yeah he's probably in the twilight of his career but maybe he has a few more years left in him like uh, the like the professor for example I would go one step further. Bisbal did a ten yeah, so, minus forty-one. Yeah, indeed, and especially with that stance, I think he can go a long way. <laughs> I mean, the Chandrapal of Pakistan cricket. Paul's stance was a bit skewed, but this is even. I think he faces the leg umpire. <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah, literally. No, yeah. he does. He does play. He does face probably more like a short mid wicket. A little bit further, and he would as well be facing the leg umpire. Yeah, right? but good on him though. So, mm-hmm. in any case, yeah, I mean, who cares? At the point of delivery. he yeah. steady in a very classical side on stance looking at the bowler he moves yeah. uh, that's up yeah. to him right so i mean he takes a couple of extra steps before the ball is delivered god bless him but in this case he's proven himself we really hope you know he continues to serve pakistan cricket in the upcoming uh, time and the other thing i also noticed about this pitch i think on the first day even towards the end of first day it was a bit up and down you know there was in variable bounce so if you look at the dismissal of abid ali the ball stayed a bit low and then if you look at the wicket of uh, the other opener imran but the ball rose up from a good length uh, uh, and then you know it hit him on the glove so it was a vicious delivery so there is a lot of up and down bounce already so and this can only get you know deteriorate with uh, time so we'll see how it goes it's going to be interesting of course i mean you have this size uh, 12s or 13s or whatever shahin shafri <laughs> when he comes around the wicket he's putting a big rough outside the right hander's leg stump which a uh, leg break bowler would love and of course when he comes over the wicket he's creating a rough outside the right hander's stump so it's uh, there's plenty of stories to be had i mean it's going to be interesting right let's see how it goes so moving further if you were to take a quick look at some of the other ongoing cricket so there were two other odi series all three matches of both were completed very quickly in the interim so we can first take a quick look at the um, afghanistan versus ireland series so three very competitive games played where you know afghanistan were able to blank ireland 3-0 in spite of 
you know ireland really having already played a warm up series against uae uh, they did look a little unequal to the task while playing afghanistan here whether it was the preparation they went through or whether it was just a difference in quality we don't know so in the first game uh, rahmanullah gurbaz was debuting he is a keeper very you know barnstorming opener he hit 100 and what was very incredible is complete fearlessness a continual approach in the entire 11 where all 11 will bat you had navinul haq in the last game i remember coming out to hit a few runs in the first game rashid khan hit a 50 from number 9 and then so what could potentially have been 220 230 suddenly blew up to 287 that's a very good score in fact considering the pitch right and then ireland were bundled out for 271 look they also had a lot of strong lower order contributions paul sterling has been in wonderful form throughout the series so he scored 39 and then larkin tucker the keeper who's really really looks like one for the future as far as ireland is concerned he made 83 but then ireland could only make 271 i think the failure of their skipper randy balburni really hurt them then it comes to bowling afghanistan will always open with one of their faster legs in this case mujibur rahman he's almost like a fast bowler for me that's why they they even have only one fast bowler and all rounder some, somebody like gulbadin nayab in the 11 and they are able to get away with it in asian conditions that's exactly what they did in the mid lowers you have rashid khan mohammad nabi to tie up sort of you see a pattern mohammad nabi comes comes on more with the new ball rashid khan sometimes doesn't even begin until the 25th 26th 28th over and then he takes over for till the end of the inning so they have these three spinners or four spinners who can sort of completely control the narrative when they're bowling they have people like navinul haq who's actually pretty good he's not very fast but he's nippy and he has good swing so what i really like about the afghanistan team is this never said i attitude they keep going they don't give up same thing second odi again in this case ireland batted first they put up a very decent 259 for 9 thanks to 128 from sterling right and then solid middle order contributions but afghanistan kept pegging away they didn't allow the lower order ireland to build up any pressure or hit out towards the end right so navinul haq again four wickets in the second game three in the first game mujibur rahman three in the second game rashid khan one but you know rashid khan sort of almost bowls towards the end it's almost like he's finishing off a t20 game as far as they are concerned so they have mohammad nabi who sort of bowls at the beginning who as if he's beginning and bowling in the power play and then rashid khan who finishes at the end they have really put to use their experienced campaigners who are sort of playing this t20 Uh, format everywhere in the world they have sort of also learned how to use them beautifully in one day cricket so when it comes to the chase um, their top order is also firing I mean rahman rahmanullah gurbas 31 net better than rana ball but then rahmat shah 100 ashpatullah shahidi 82 and then askar afghan just came and hit a bunch of sixes to finish the game off so it was it was crazy so they sort of chased it down in the 46th over and in the third game again this time they batted first i think the pitch looked to be deteriorating you could see that the pitch has taken some wear and tear and then it looked like again it could be a low scoring affair but afghanistan it could be possibly that you know from 4 for 66 it could have been a bad thing it could they could have collapsed to something 6 for 162 they could have again collapsed nothing they never gave up each pair that's getting together is adding 20 or 30 20 or 30 solid middle order contributions asghar afghan 41 nabi 32 gulbadin naib 36 and then rashid khan who finished off the innings beautifully again he paced it nicely uh, first i think i remember he was scoring at less than run a ball for his first 20 25 runs and then suddenly towards the end he accelerated hit a couple of fours in each of those overs and even though he was out i remember mujibur rahman navin ul haq number 10 and 11 coming and adding about 20 runs fantastic fantastic team work really nice to see this they are really a force to reckon wherever they play i'm sure at least in the limited overs formats 
while batting again it all sort of fell back on paul sterling two hundreds back to back another 118 wonderful innings top order lets them down the captain andy balberney the other opener macolum not making much the middle order contributes but then the moment sterling is dismissed afghanistan know they have a strong grip on the game and they don't let ireland finish 230 all out so fantastic series for paul sterling man of the series but then rashid khan man of the match in the third one and afghanistan sort of proving that they are in a really really good space as a one day and a t20 team in the next such series bit disappointing compared to how exciting this series was the other one was sort of one sided this is between bangladesh and west indies we know there are 10 first choice west indian players who have withdrawn from this tour so it's effectively an a team that west indies have sent out but the complete lack of competition in this odi series was really disheartening if you are a west indian cricket fan for example in the first of those odis it was held in dhaka by the way so the first of those odis they batted first made just 122 sakibul hasan's return was a big news there back to the bangladeshi colors so he took 4 for 8 in his uh, nearly 8 overs and then they chased it down uh, without too much pressure so tamim iqbal showed a lot of patience in all the three innings he was never really required to you know start off at a brisk pace because you never really looking to chase 300 chase 250 plus no so either he got a chance to set up as end or chase something like 120 130 same thing in the second odi where again batting first west indies were only able to make 148 so again nobody of note to write home about they had sunil ambris who could have sort of started restarted his career jason mohammad who was brought back into the squad and handed the captaincy again another excellent chance you had newcomers like uh, nakruma bronner kyle myers roman paul who sort of a journeyman now he's played already a couple of years raymond reefer another newcomer alzari joseph another newcomer nobody really settled joshua de silva who's um, keeper he's already kept in one of the tests in new zealand i believe he's shown a lot of promise at least with the gloves but as a batter he himself failed so basically 148 another four for this time for mehdi hasan viras and then you know solid all round bowling performance from bangladesh while chasing again tamim iqbal takes his time litan das takes they you know they both comfortably take their time and then nasmul hasan shanto or shakibul hasan somebody bats through finishes the game off third of these games well a slightly different story bangladesh get to bat first then as we saw somewhere on one of those cricketing sites the fab four of bangladeshi cricket put up 50s so tamim iqbal shakibul hasan mushfiqur rahim mahmudullah put up 50s comfortably set up a score which almost at the halfway it was very clear uh, this west indies team might not be able to make it it was also disheartening to see the way they did it they sort of started off okay one thought but then there were a couple of wickets lost but kyle myers was promoted and then nakuma bonner was promoted but neither of them could do much roman powell made 47 but you know what Ray- raymond reefer does from number 7 or 8 or 9 really doesn't count for much it has to be the top order and they were not putting their best foot forward again comfortable all round bowling performance mehdi hasan miras 2 for 18 of 10 overs fantastic fantastic controlling spin at some point in time i caught a bit of the live action they had no way no clue of knowing how to play him they were just glad to not give him any wickets so it it was very one sided and knowing the test series coming up i'm really worried how this might go because if the test series were to really pan out the same way west indies could at least have some points that they may take away from the tour otherwise it will be a complete uh, write off and maybe an sos to be sent to the more experienced and senior pros in west indies maybe they can make an ex- exception come down to bangladesh and maybe shore up this team otherwise i don't see this as a nice uh, result for west indies going forward now 
uh, if we were to take a quick look at the women's cricket so there was a very nice women's cricket tour where pakistani women were touring south africa and they completed a, a odi series the third of which was played today in this case south african women won the series 3-0 all closely contested games in which for example if you were to just look at the third one south africa started strong but then pakistan struck back thanks to diana beg the fast bowler and then nasra sandhu bowling really well nidadar had a very good series herself but then you know with a little bit of contribution from middle order and lower middle order they only were able to make 201 in their 50 overs but then as it turned out it was more than enough because it was a low scoring series overall and pakistan were 116 and all out so why i make this point is um, this was the 100th odi victory for south africa women and their 150th victory in all forms of cricket so this was a tweet from kaustuk kaustacks a friend of the show on twitter again congratulations to the south african women's team so moving on if you were to take a quick look at the you know other cricketing news from around the cricketing world so zimbabwe women will host pakistan women in february as a preparation for the world uh, t20 women's world cup right so this is wonderful news so you know again zimbabwe men were able to get some cricket this year and i really hope they get to play more cricket similarly zimbabwe women will also get to host pakistan at home so this is in 2022 but it's still good because they have not played any international cricket since may of 2019 so it will be good to see that in other news well former india captain saurav ganguly is again hospitalized with chest discomfort and uh, it's a bit of a surprise i mean for somebody so young who's been an elite sports person giri to suddenly take ill uh, is it was this expected something we heard i mean it's it's his he has some advanced condition at least it requires stenting and so on surprising yeah surprising indeed i think he was taken ill early january right i think the 2nd of january when he had a similar issue i think he even had a blackout when he was working out apparently back then so he he was taken to a hospital and then he got a stent right he, he had uh, a treatment and then i think he was supposed to get a couple of additional stents because he had more blockages and they would monitor him for a few days and then you know act if required because at that moment he was doing okay with medication and he see i think everything seemed okay until a couple of days ago even tuesday in fact i think tuesday when he complained again of chest pain and then he was now taken in uh, he's right now in the hospital the way what we read is he's still there and they will probably do a treatment they would do another uh, what is it called angioplasty right so he i think he has a heart condition uh, or uh, it's probably in his uh, i think it's hereditary condition i i just read that his brother had a similar issue last week who was then given a stent apparently so angioplasty done to him so it's it's probably runs in the family um and i still wonder i mean it could maybe it could have been accelerated you know because of the job that he has currently it's a very tough job being a bcci mm-hmm. president mm-hmm. and i don't know what his ambition is he will probably have a bit more you know political ambition i would suppose uh so maybe there was yeah these these are all contributing factors to that but we really hope that you know he gets well soon he gets all the good treatment that he requires and then he comes out of it uh, a better and healthy uh, person and i don't care whether he's bcci president or not but i think we all need um, saurav ganguly uh, to be happy and healthy again because i think we we appreciate the kind of contribution he has made to indian cricket unimaginable i think th- this guy turned indian cricket around after that uh, you know match fixing saga we had towards the end of 90s so so we all owe it to saurav ganguly for making indian cricket competitive again so let's hope that uh, you know 
everything goes well for him and then uh, he recovers for, uh, soon indeed let's wish uh, saro dada better soon and uh, you know he's back at his best i mean this time ruling the boardrooms i'm sure as soon as possible moving on in some serious news mohammad navid and shaman anwar who were uh, tried by a uh, independent tribunal uh, in related to their uh, you know charges of uh, corruption and uh, you know match fixing offenses have been uh, convicted so basically they were charged with some icc anti corruption code with respect to not revealing approaches by a bookie and also you know taking active part in trying to fix uh, games so unfortunately this is very bad news as far as uae cricket is concerned because navid was a former captain fremon anwar uh, let's say leading light and a good batsman as far as they were concerned they have been suspended from october 2019 onwards already but i mean it is said that they alleged uh, they allegedly stood to make around uh, 270000 dollars yes so that was what they were uh, supposed to get for their help uh, really it's easy. when you look at those numbers those are life changing numbers i can imagine they must be tempted but unfortunately um, what happened was not all good and uh, i hope this this comes as a deterrent to the other youngsters who are you know sort of learning their trade now and this sort of gets into their uh, training that such a thing should never be such a thing should never be done you know we recently saw shakib al hasan losing a year of his cricketing life in the prime of it right and we have seen many players throughout the age ages being banned so we really hope this this lesson hits home especially you know in certain parts of south asia and asia it's very very tempting people can be easily tempted maybe it looks like it's it's never nice to read about it we really hope cricket can move on from this episode in a slightly you know surprising turn of events rajasthan royals have appointed kumar sangakkara as the director of cricket very surprised happy yeah good choice very good choice so it's going to be sangakkara against uh, jaywardena right when rajasthan royals play against mumbai <laughs> mumbai indians right so mm-hmm. but it's very good choice i think he's an, an astute cricketer so we all know what he's capable of so let's hope that he turns that team around uh, after the exit of steve smith i have to say so steve smith was let go right the, the captaincy is now handed over to uh, sanju samson uh, if i'm Indeed. not wrong so Indeed. so it's it's an interesting combination well let's see what happens with that look it has to be seen what changes he can bring because not only as sort of person who has all of these nows all of these international cricketing experience or also administrative experience i think he's been given charge of their uh, you know team strategy talent discovery development also sort of running their academy which is set up in nagpur so plenty of things riding on this guy's shoulders but broad and capable shoulders that they are of course so very interesting choice and we really hope you know sangakara can bring that international class they, they have a certain outlook rajasthan royals always they have had a new influx of cash no doubt recently but they have always been money ball rather than money bags to quote uh, some art headline i read a few years back and i hope he is a right addition because i think he had the right mentality he himself was a great cricketer and he could always make the most of what talents he had so that's the right sort of a choice i would say and i think he'll have more time at the end of october once he is freed from his uh, duties as the mcc chairman but uh, what a career man this guy is uh, going from heights to heights i would say i don't know what is the next uh, position for him maybe chairman of icc we don't know right or maybe ambassadorship to a few countries from his uh, home country yeah right? i mean there are rumors actually the day he retired from international cricket because he was still playing for surrey 
uh, and he wanted to spend a couple of summers there uh, sri lanka offered him ambassadorship to uk this was the scheme <laughs> which a 38 year old sangakara was held i mean amazing amazing to read and i'm always in awe of this guy's achievements both on both on and off the field so long may his success continue moving further if we take a quick look at the trivia section here question we asked the previous episode was which player has faced the most number of balls in test cricket and at how many balls at an average per game right or per innings rather giri so who's the answer well i didn't know the answer until i read it out but i think it is rahul dravid and no surprises there <laughs> because he occupied the crease for a long duration in his career in his you know uh, wonderful career i have to say and how many deliveries was it i think it was 31258 deliveries Indeed. that he batted i mean unbelievable <laughs> what kind of patience would a person need to bat that long you know that I mean, many deliveries 191 almost 191 balls each innings over 164 exactly. tests good god i mean i remember what shoaib akhtar kept saying right so no wonder some bowlers were really really sick of the sight of this guy even coming to the crease like oh this guy again i mean it's 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 something you need to wear with pride i'm sure as a batter and i hope cheteshwar pujara and some other number 3s around the world who have this old school mindset maybe even a sibley from uk all of these people they don't care they bat the way they should right mm. because look he has played more balls than say tendulkar who played 36 more tests than him and jacques callis uh, who played uh, two tests more than him but still i mean crazy crazy number of balls to play <laughs> i mean they were all done in the let's say in the service of his country in tests boring or not this is something else this is next level stuff so we just wanted to pay tribute to dravid i mean i think he's been in the news a lot recently and i think he deserves all the kudos he gets so another one from our side kiri yeah but i think he will just uh, not accept them the way you know, i think the all the uh, he has been applauded for his work you know in bringing up all those younger players i think we also mentioned this in our previous episode about shubman gill and you know prithvi shaw and um you know all these youngsters who are now coming into the squad he just says no 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 it's not mine it's it's all their talent he's he's so modest even now you know he doesn't want to take credit he turned down a doctorate an honorary doctorate saying i'm not there yet right so you're absolutely right yeah i think that just tells you in uh, what capable hands indian indian you know grassroots cricket is at the moment so he is he's it's i think he is he is in the right position right now for indian cricket to prosper for the next decade i would say i think he's he's doing an incredible job and we cannot thank him enough for that indeed so in this case the trivia question from this episode is who was the player of the match for scoring twin hundreds the last time pakistan played a test against south africa in karachi so one for the record books i'm sure but uh, something that happened nearly a decade and a half ago so we encourage our uh, listeners to maybe already know the answer some of them because it's such a memorable game that south africa won so yeah and probably it went a long way in them taking the series as well so that was the clue i can give you we probably actually discussed about him this episode gire yeah we? probably yeah we might have i don't know <laughs> indeed, indeed. i always request our fans to if possible give us a shout out give us a rating let us know what the answer to the trivia question is if you think it's interesting if you have any thoughts about how we are doing uh, our episodes if you have any thoughts about it do share them with us you know you can reach us uh, during live games we are mostly online on twitter at @armchairpod or you could write into us offline on mail armchair.gmail.com or leave a comment on any of the 7 to 8 
platforms where we are readily available, liberating for us in Apple Podcasts, for example. It always makes our day when we get some of these. A lot of more interesting text to look forward to, Giri. Absolutely. I think we have the England-India series coming up, so I can't wait for that. Indeed. And uh, while we wait, we have Pakistan-South Africa. To take yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the more the merrier. Indeed. So, having said all that, it's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from him. Bye-bye. This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast.